You are listening to your home for Michigan Athletics. 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. vision of peace and global unity alive with sounds and music from all the cultures of all the people all over the world. If you hear uh, like you think the ones on, what do you call it, music at the restaurants or on the elevators? That music is destructive. That music, if we had good music playing for people in a happy society on the streets, you know? I feel like uh, my music is uh, have a new record coming out. I was like, well, maybe this time they'll hear it. Well, indeed, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Thanksgiving's over. And the grass is still green here in the state of Michigan. As for whether America remains a green country, we don't know. Donald Trump has uh, been acting kind of strange lately. That's sort of a uh, cross between Rip Van Winkle and Dr. Frankenstein. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's Frankenstein. So we'll call him Rip Von Trumpenstein henceforth. He does seem to have been asleep for the last uh, 50 years. And uh, it's refreshing to hear that after the passing of Fidel Castro, he's going to get tough on Cuba again. <laughs> well, I suppose that means that uh, through his extra executive powers, he can attain vast quantities of Cuban beachfront property for megalo monopolo monopoly style uh, hotel chains indeed Just buy and sell the whole thing well he claimed over the uh, past week that his brand is is going up even ignoring the fact that numbers... never been better of course there's always a caution to be taken when something goes up to a point where it gets better than it's ever been before cuz that usually means you've apexed 
Yeah, well, the Trump bubble was pierced in a number of venues over the past year. It's a leaky, leaky bubble. And I uh, I hope Donald Trump starts actually reading some uh, news rather than getting all of his information from fake news. Uh, I must say it's not been reassuring the way he continues to delegitimize himself, continues to tweet, continues to pick fights over pretty trivial issues. Some of his latest appointments are strange, to say the least. Betsy DeVos as Secretary of Education. Huh? Yeah. That's, what does she uh, know about education? Well. She knows the pyramid scheme. Yeah, the uh, Scamway Corporation is uh, well known <laughs> for its dubious nature. But... Uh, you know, we've had secretaries of education before who don't have any direct uh, background in education um, through professional training before. And so that in, in and of itself is not a disaster. But when you look at what she has done for and quote unquote for uh, more likely to education in Michigan over the last 10 years through her. Well, I'd even generous say 20. Philanthropy. 20. Oh, yeah, you yeah. could definitely go with that, but uh, let's be generous and just say the last 10. Uh, Michigan now enjoys a status of being one of five states where reading skills are in decline. And as somebody who has worked in public schools, which, of course, Ms. DeVos, Mrs. DeVos uh, never went to a public school. Her kids don't go to public school, uh, private all the way. Um, her funneling of money away from public schools through the school of choice uh shell game the vouchers uh, program yeah definitely hurt public education in the state of michigan every year after year resources are trimmed uh opportunities to uh help struggling students and gifted students decline uh it won't be long before your precious uh football america is completely defunded uh, at the high school level uh, if we go to a for-profit model. Although maybe they'll find a way to exploit child labor there and make money off of uh, selling tickets to high school football. Anything's possible in a for-profit charter school. Well, and that's the thing. Hopefully the uh, hearings uh, for Betsy DeVos will include an examination of Michigan's actual record over these many years. Uh, of course, she's been active primarily as a fundraiser uh, for the Republican Party, as well as uh, I think at one point she was even the chairman of the Briefly, yes. uh, Republican Michigan Republican Party. And, of course, her husband ran for governor a couple of years ago. They've been very active for a number of years. And I even years. I even heard uh, a commentary today on uh, WUOM by Jack Lessonberry, uh, who uh, I think always has pretty good insights about what's actually going on. I defer to him on expertise on Michigan political history uh, in particular. Uh, he noted that it was Betsy DeVos who put the charter school issue on the ballot. Uh, back in 2000, I think, was the year he cited. And this actually contributed to the election of Debbie Stabenow because uh, it brought out um, Demo the Democratic mm -hmm. base, so to speak. And uh, the actual proposal, it was a ballot initiative, 
John Engler, uh, governor at the time. Uh, by the way, he is now the uh, director or president of the U.S. Manufacturing Association. Uh, Talk about an organization with a checkered past. <laughs> anyway, Jeez. leaving a farmer in the Dell uh, in the lurch at, for the moment, uh, he actually counseled against this for political reasons, and the charter school initiative was defeated two to one, contributing to an upset victory by Debbie Stabenow uh, in the Senate uh, race that year involving uh, Spencer Abraham, another former chairman of the Republican Party. One wonders if Spencer Abraham has a future in the Trump administration yeah, along with Bannon. Yeah, he's part of that whole Gingrich-era team of uh, knuckleheads. Uh, so that's a scary thought. Well, it's bizarre watching. You a smile like the Jack Nicholson's Joker. Yeah. He was a kind of a scary guy. Uh, but it's it's bizarre that uh, Romney and Giuliani are in this uh, battle of rivals, quote-unquote, to use a term that is a reference to the Lincoln administration, Abraham Lincoln, that is. Um, it's kind of strange watching both of them twisting in the, in the wind for various reasons. Well, purportedly, uh, because, you know, news descends from Trump Tower. Uh, via really, twi Twitter. Via Twitter and rumor and random intelligence, as the line from Apocalypse Now has it, that uh, Giuliani had fallen uh, into disfavor for the... Uh, eagerness with which he wanted the job. Eagerness with which he wanted the job, but also the... Uh, headlines about all of his uh, net worth and all the potential conflict of interest it might represent. Uh, As if these aren't a problem for Donald <laughs> Trump. Himself, right. Uh, so that, oh no, uh, let's get Mitt Romney in here because that helps stitch the uh, wholesome family that is the Republican Party back together in some cosmetic fashion. But I really don't think Mitt Romney is particularly interested in it. I, I could be wrong about that. But uh, he's now being openly attacked by uh, by the Republican Party, by the, the Republican Trump, Party, and the, Trump's the own, Trump hardliners. Uh, yeah, the hardliners. Yeah, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, who's likely to be his press secretary, uh, the campaign manager? Oh, Miss Conway. Yeah. Uh, Kellyanne Conway uh, is openly sniping at Romney. Uh, we Soon to change he her, her name to Lou Ann. <laughs> we need some Lou Anns in the uh, Trump administration. Yeah, uh, you know, does it matter if he? Do you, can you only be on the cabinet if you voted for Trump? I mean, I don't think that's really a a yardstick by which all cabinets are filled every position. Well, of course, you know, Romney was quoted as calling Trump a fraud and a con man. If anything, that makes Romney's stock rise in retrospect. Precisely. Now, Trump allegedly thinks that quote Romney looks the part. Um, obviously, Romney would... would he, casting his new reality show. You know, Romney's a, kind of a Clark Kent, you know, square-jawed kind of kind of dude, well-groomed, handsome, Looks trim, good in a suit. Looks good in trim a suit. Trim figure. And he, of course, he's actually a business expert. Uh, what his expertise in diplomacy really is, I don't know. I think it's important to realize that many presidents in the past have had um, 
cabinets with these disparate elements. Um, for instance, John F. Kennedy, and I bring him up <laughs> in honor of the Bay of Pigs, the Cuban Missile yeah, Crisis, the uh, Kennedy assassination itself. Uh, we'll save that for another day, but uh, we can probably do an entire show on Fidel Castro at some point. That's a big Big story. But Very big story. Yes, obviously, so. JFK, you know, in, in his administration, Bobby Kennedy, Robert McNamara, and McGeorge Bundy had much more power than Dean Rusk or Douglas Dillon. Uh, Bobby Kennedy being the Attorney General, McNamara being Secretary of State, and McGeorge Bundy being National Security Advisor. Kissinger's another example. Uh, Nixon, his administration, mm -hmm. Kissinger had much more power than William Rogers, who was Secretary of State. Uh, Haldeman, Chief of Staff, obviously a dominant figure. Uh, Mitchell, John Mitchell, had much more power and influence than, say, George Shultz, who was the Treasury Secretary, believe it or not, for a period during the Nixon administration, or even Melvin Laird, Secretary of Defense who uh, passed away recently. So there are numerous examples. Uh, you can look at Ronald Reagan, William Casey and Ed Meese, and Don Regan and Cap Weinberger had far more power than Al Haig, uh, Judge William Clark, who did not even know where Zimbabwe was, his national security advisor, or even George Schultz, who later replaced Al Haig at state. Mm -hmm. So I think it's fair to say that uh, Pence, Sessions, and Bannon are going to be uh, dominant figures in the Trump administration and that these later picks are going to be much weaker um, figures. And Nikki Haley, as U.N. ambassador, that position is a sort of uh, sinecure of sorts. I would say I don't think there have been too many really dominant U.N. ambassadors. That's sort of a debating society, and they state America's position before the U.N., but obviously, given the way the Security Council is divided, um, though, of course, Trump seems to be making uh, overtures to Vladimir Putin— who knows? Will Russia start voting with the United uh, States in, in Security Council votes? I don't think so. And, of course, we know that China has a very adamant position about sovereignty issues. Mm. They abstain on numerous issues that the, United, that the United States pushes before the U.N. They abstained, for instance, on the first... Iraq War back in 1990-1991, the George H.W. Bush-Persian Gulf War. They don't want to put out any appearance of having any support for an attempt by outside powers to uh, address a intra-territorial concern, as they would call it. Precisely. And they abstained. And there was actually a unanimous vote on that particular resolution about ejecting Saddam Hussein from Kuwait. But when George W. Bush brought the issue before the U.N., which, by the way, was the substance of the congressional resolution that passed in October of 2002, he was unable to get U.N. 
unanimity on a war with Iraq. Uh, Bush also failed to go back to Congress and report mm. material breaches that Saddam Hussein might have been guilty of at the time. And indeed, it was the U.N. weapons inspectors that reported to the U.N. that Saddam Hussein was cooperating with their uh, inspections and that they had found no weapons of mass destruction. This, of course, didn't prevent Dick Cheney and the neoconservatives and George W. Bush himself from going forward with the second Iraq war. And we've seen what kind of devastating consequences that's had. And then actually later having the affrontery to pose for those joke photos of where are those pesky missiles? Are they here? Oh, right. Under with the, the desk and stuff. With Barney the dog uh, running around in the situation room or whatever room Bush was in at the time. Um, it is mind-boggling that Donald Trump would assert that he, quote, would have won the popular vote had there not been millions millions of instances of voter fraud in California, Virginia, and New Hampshire. Those were the three states that he cited. Uh, what evidence he has of this, he hasn't said. I'm sure Bannon has a line on some uh, dark shadow truths. Yeah, well, this has already been traced to a fake news site, and it's troubling that Donald Trump would be continuing to read such fake news sites, which, of course, have been in the news quite a bit these past couple of weeks. Uh, I suspect that uh, history will show that voter suppression and voter ID laws played a much bigger role in this election than voter fraud. And needless to say, counting up uh, the votes in a recount uh, here in Michigan and Wisconsin and possibly Pennsylvania are seem to be in the works. Officially, of course, today, the Michigan Secretary of State uh, declared Donald Trump the winner of Michigan's presidential race by a little over 10,000 votes. But we'll see. I don't believe that the Electoral College has spoken yet. So while Donald Trump continues to be president-elect, he has not been elected president yet. <laughs> I recall my seventh-grade civics teacher teaching all of us wise guys a, le a lesson once when he asked people to stand up if their parents had voted in the last presidential election. Of course, I went to a public high school in a college town, so about 80 or 90 percent of us stood up. <laughs> and um, he said, well, you're all wrong. The Electoral College votes for president. Your parents merely voted for electors that determine the outcome. And, of course, the Electoral College. Which Trump declared a system of genius. Yeah, after <laughs> he won it. But he will remain, I'm afraid, a plurality president. We can call him the 47% man, or perhaps the less than 2 million votes than Hillary Clinton man. Well, it's kind of intriguing to contemplate that between Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, those three states, his lead in total was only about 102,000. 
less than the amount of people that watch a football game in Michigan Stadium or watched the exceedingly poorly officiated Michigan-Ohio State football game this weekend. I mean, 102,000. Yeah. What are the electoral values of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania? Combined? Combined. 46 electoral votes. Trump would not be president. He needs all three of them. Uh, however, unless Hillary Clinton could somehow uh, snag about 70,000 votes in Pennsylvania, even if the recount showed uh, theoretically a uh, Clinton victory in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and, and Michigan, she would still be short. The unlikelihood, of course, that this result will be turned over, I think, is pretty high, but it, it still staggers the mind to think that the difference in those three states is about 102,000 votes. Yeah, and of course it does show that votes matter. Who you vote for matters. And uh, as I suggested uh, several weeks ago, there were uh, probably three dozen reasons why Hillary Clinton did not win. Uh, certainly WikiLeaks and the involvement of the Russian uh, subcontractors, whether they were mafioso or intelligence agency, remains open or if for investigation. Even really, quite frankly, any difference between those two in Russia? And of course, the Comey letter was an egregious uh, violation of Justice Department procedures. As for numerous trade uh, disputes that Donald Trump is promising to get America into. Uh, soon into his presidency, I kind of wonder if he's been reading the newspapers lately. It's interesting to know. They say he does first thing every morning. Oh, well, he wants to see if he's on the front page. Yeah, yeah. I tosses it asunder. A skimming procedure. Gets back to his fake news sites, I'm sure, while he rearranges his ball cap. Uh, it is rather strange watching him... Uh, w w appear in public with the baseball cap on. I don't I don't remember a a president uh uh doing that ever. Uh John F. Kennedy, by the way, hated hats. Yeah and put fact, the hat business right the, the hat business out of business. The hat business went out of business uh in the Kennedy era. That's <laughs> true. I didn't want the hat mussing up his uh his bronze uh nature boy Good looks. Yeah, well, that and he liked that wind in the wind in the hair look. Uh, Tousled, I guess, is what they call it in the fashion industry these go. days. Uh, what Donald Trump is going to do for fashion is unclear. Um, I just hope he starts wearing some overalls. Well, can the Confederate flag as a fashion statement has already made something of a resilient return. Yeah, and of course that was one of the reasons Nikki Haley uh, distinguished herself in recent years. Uh, that trial ongoing as we speak in South Carolina. Uh, but I would recommend that Donald Trump look at uh, trade numbers carefully before he starts imposing tariffs on China, Mexico, and Canada. Um I've been looking at them. They're fascinating. Most of our trade deficit with Mexico and Canada, by the way, is in the area of oil imports. Does Donald Trump propose 
uh, slapping on tariffs on imported oil from Canada and Mexico. We don't know. Golly, what would that do to the price of gas? I don't think it would help it. What else do we import from Mexico? Limes, avocados, produce, all sorts of things. Uh, He swears that he will get us a better deal. I'm skeptical and remain skeptical on that point. Well, he'll be getting himself some better deals, as has been talked about a lot in the papers this last week, by the sort of uh, favorable treatment business deals on the side that, uh, you know, authoritarian states would be willing to uh, cut with a president interested in developing simultaneous uh, to his executive uh, obligations uh, his own real estate empire. Well, in the emollient clause, uh, who knew about it until a couple of weeks ago or who remembered it, but it's interesting that... uh these numerous business conflicts, conflicts of interest, and the role that his um, children are putatively going to play in the Trump administration remains somewhat unclear. Uh, the idea that a blind trust would exist, given Trump's extensive business dealings, and of course we've, we've learned more and more about them, Uh, in the details that are emerging, that many of these deals consist of Trump uh, being a limited liability partner in a real estate deal in which he has no money in the the game, so to speak, that he's actually selling his name. Hence the strange claim the other day that he made publicly, I believe, that first appeared on Twitter, that his brand has never been stronger. I'm skeptical of that. Um, remain skeptical of it. I don't know how well it's his, early days yet. <laughs> yeah, how well these luxury hotels are going to be doing in uh, some places. But during the campaign, uh, the Trump uh, properties in Atlantic City declared bankruptcy, as did the Trump International Hotel in downtown Toronto. That's in Canada, Mr. Trump. That's the banking center of Canada. <laughs> So uh, all of these promises uh, remain up in the air, but uh, I do think that it's troubling that he immediately declared after the death of Fidel Castro. Of course, Castro has not been running Cuba on any uh, significant basis for over a decade, so his passing was not um, a shock. Well, certainly not, nor does it affect uh, the daily operations of the Cuban government. But it strikes me that uh, given the fact that most countries around the world are sort of respecting the nine days of mourning that are occurring in Cuba uh, over the next week, it seems somewhat problematic that Trump would even make a comment about changing Barack Obama's executive orders regarding policy towards Cuba. Uh, those, of course, have been snarled up with uh, Congress, and it's interesting how the uh, wet hand, wet foot, dry land policy of immigration 
officials in Congress allowed hundreds of thousands of Cubans to enter the United States. What is the difference between their arrival, what makes it legal versus people that are crossing the border? Well, Congress writes those laws, apparently. And uh, frankly, America's approach to Cuba over the many decades has been a bit of an embarrassment, in my opinion. Almost childish, I think, is an accurate way to describe U.S policy towards Cuba throughout the Cold War. I don't think there's any question that Castro made some mistakes uh, in domestic uh, policy within Cuba regarding his cozy relationship with the USSR following the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, He was sort of left in the lurch, by the way, in the uh, negotiations on that missile deal. But Castro, uh, what's important to remember about him is the issue of nationalism over socialism, that Castro was essentially an anti-imperialist and if certainly probably one of the most top five iconic figures of the second half of the 20th century. Lady Diana, Muhammad Ali, Fidel Castro's in that in that list, Mao Zedong probably of course, uh, the Sphinx look of Mao Zedong, his portrait is still <laughs> emblazoned in Tiananmen Square. Well, in some ways, uh, Castro's image became uh, easy to uh, mock. Parody, and yeah. Something of a cliche uh, because he really never, you know, for certain occasions he would wear other garb, of course, but most famously photographed in the sort of military style um, jumper and a hat you know, with the cigar. Always, but uh, I I think it's you know you can put that into context by saying he saw his country as under attack, which it was of course. The economic embargo of the United States against Cuba uh, was a sort of a ridiculous uh, overstatement uh, that in many ways produced the hardship that led that state to become as repressive as it did. Yeah, and re- the rest of the world, of course, had normal relations with Cuba throughout um, this sort of silly dispute that was ongoing. I think that one of Castro's, the ironies of one of Castro's problems was that successive cold warriors occupied the White House either as president or advisors to the president. Uh, one would have thought that Jimmy Carter might have been able to... Uh, temper the relationship between the United States and Cuba a little more than he did, but unfortunately, and in an example of where power really lies in particular administrations, Brzezinski had much more power in the Carter White House than, uh, say, the Secretary of State or the Secretary of Defense. And Brzezinski uh, was a pretty adamant cold warrior. Uh, though he has tempered his positions in recent years. Um, I think that the embargo has been an anachronism for quite some time. And I do think that Barack Obama, to his credit, uh, was willing to uh, be the first president to actually visit Cuba since Calvin Coolidge, of all (laughs) trivia questions that may come up in your next game of Trivial Pursuit.
remember that one. Well, I think it's also important to remember, and as you say, we'll probably at some point in another week or so uh, have enough material to dedicate an entire program to the career and legacy of this very iconic historical uh, polit political figure. 